You've just entered a safe, relaxed, and open forum where you can allow your imagination to take you places you normally dare not go. Welcome to The Fourth Dimension with Toby C., where we discuss evil resistance in the early efforts of sobriety. Here's Toby. I'm back. Can you believe it? I'm back with a vengeance. I'm here with Sarah P. Hey, Sarah. Hi, good morning. So are you ready, Sarah? Are you ready to take a magical mystery tour back in time? I am. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Hey, if you're just joining us for the first time on The Fourth Dimension with Toby C., uh, this is not your typical recovery program. This show actually um, talks about a very interesting bandwidth in recovery, a very narrow uh, passage of time, if you will. We talk about the difficulties that so many people experience in early recovery. And not only do we cast the spotlight on the difficulties, but we try to put a, a label and a name on that difficulty. This show is not about Adam and Eve. It's not about the Garden of Eden. It's not about the forbidden tree of, of wisdom. It's about the snake. We're going to talk about the snake today. What do you think about that, Sarah? Sounds good. Have you ever had an experience with the evil one or the snake? Let's, let's back up for a minute here. Sarah, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Arcadia, California, Southern Cal. Yeah, born and raised. California girl. That's right. Beautiful. And uh, any religious uh, uh, upbringing? Did your family go to church or pray or worship? or Well, what actually, um, I'm born uh, an Italian Catholic, but I converted about 11 years ago to Judaism. So I'm an Italian Jew. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. With a Catholic background. Catholic, yeah. Oh, my. Raised. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back like we do every show, and we're going to go back to your earliest memories of recovery. Um, these times when, um, when you made that heartfelt decision that you just couldn't take this anymore, that you, you wanted to end this living hell, and you were so desperate you'd do anything to get better. Do you remember that, Sarah? I do. Yeah. I do. Do you remember that? And do you also remember, Sarah, that maybe there was something going on, call it bad luck, bad timing, his fault, her fault, its fault. Do you also remember there being some obstacles, some resistance to that? What do you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Always. Um, I, uh, I got sober for the first time in uh, 2008, and what brought me to that stage was um, depression alcoholism, drug abuse, and finally overdose, yeah. attempted overdose. Wow. That yeah. sounds, uh, and that was in early recovery. That was in 2008 in early recovery. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, by the way, you know, listen, uh, listeners out there, this is, you're going to hear that there's a long period of reconstruction, okay? And um, there's no question about it. But right now, and during this show, we're gonna, we're, Sarah's going to share with us a couple of good ghost stories, things that happened to her when she had that, that heartfelt conviction to get off the bottom, see? And, um, and again, I, I want to be sure that, uh, that our listener understands that 
you're going to be hearing us talk about evil, the evil one. Some people want to call it the fallen angel, Lucifer, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to do. And but uh, we're not here to go ahead and um, and give uh, evidence and and any kind of demonstration of the devil because the existence of the devil is not to be demonstrated. The devil is to be believed. See. The biggest trick that the devil plays on the world is getting everybody to, to believe he doesn't exist. But the devil does exist. And that's all we're going to do today is try to, uh, is try to identify the figure of the devil. Because if the figure of the devil is missing, then one also loses sight of the figure of God. How about that? Is that simple, Sarah? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's not going to be that that big of a deal, but but again, you know, uh, be careful because this is a very delicate area. Um, only God could and would if He were sought. That's what's one of the things we hear about in recovery. Uh, by the way, Sarah and I are both members of the twelve step movement, but you know, the twelve step movement does not have a monopoly on God. You know, but there is only one who has all power, and uh, and that one is God. May you find Him now. Did you finally find God, Sarah? I did. Yeah. I did. When when I came into the program in 2012, I've always considered myself a God person, a good person, but somehow I must have not let him in because I was going the opposite way. I was going the devil's way. I, I know that, um, even though I consider myself to be a good person, but um, after and I think you already that you know this that uh, when I was sober for twelve years before the twelve years, maybe seven months before I relapsed, that I started pulling away from God. I stopped going to my meetings. I stopped praying. I stopped doing certain things, and that was the devil. When I look back, well, absolutely. Well, you know something. The absence of light is darkness, yeah. okay? And so you stepped away from the light. And of course, if you step away from the light, you're moving into the darkness. Mm-hmm. And you were tested, Sarah. You were tested in early recovery when you stepped away from the light, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. All right, go ahead, yeah. and, go ahead and throw it out. You can tell us right now what was the first big ghost story, the first big test. The big test. Well, when when my husband passed away and I relapsed for, pardon me, two and a half years, and during that time, I, I was very very suicidal, extremely suicidal. I twice actually put a thirty eight revolver to my brain, and I was done. And for some reason, I would one morning after remembering holding that gun to my head because I was desperate. I, had, I didn't have an answer. I didn't have God. I was depending on myself, which didn't work at all. I woke up the next morning in a rehab center. That was by the grace of God. But the devil, I call it the devil, whatever anyone wants to think of it as, um, the evil, always has tried to pull me back, even today. There are moments throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know. So when you put that thirty-eight revolver to your head and you were at your absolute bottom and you ended up in rehab, you were drinking at that moment, correct? Oh, yes. Okay, that's okay. But before you started 
that binge, that run, that spree again, Sarah, did you, did you get emotionally drunk? You were putting together some time in recovery. You were putting together some real time and, and doing the deal. You weren't talking the talk. You were walking the walk, okay? But, but you got emotionally drunk. And let's talk about that. There's the devil. For some of us, Sarah, the drunk starts long before the first drink. And you got emotionally drunk. And, um, and, and it was because you were consumed with self-pity because your husband had been taken away from you. Is that right? That's right. And um, the battle cry of self-pity, was it why? Was it why me? Why, why me? Why are you doing this? Why? How could you? How could you? Mm-hmm. There it is. But even be, but even before that, when I stopped going to my meetings that I had been going to for almost twelve years, it started with we bought a puppy. The puppy couldn't be left home. People would say, "Come to a meeting. It's an hour." Oh no, I can't leave my puppy at home. That little sneaky stuff that gets in there, sneaky, sneaky. Then we bought a house. I don't want to leave my new house. I had things to do. I had, you know, decorating to do and painting to do. Became more important. And then when my husband died, I didn't have my support. I didn't have AA. I didn't have a higher. I didn't have anything. It was just me in my house with my dog. And they didn't keep me sober. There you go. You know. So what you're describing, Sarah, is you're describing getting distracted. Yes. Um, You were recovery. I I don't know. Somewhere in recovery, I heard that by refusing to place God first, we deprived ourselves of of his help. In some biblical scripture, there was something that, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, right? So somewhere along this deal, we're supposed to put uh, a power greater than ourselves, a God of our understanding first, and there's something that wants us to not put that God of our understanding first. What do you think that is, Sarah? Well, I think that's the devil. Absolutely. <laughs> but but the devil came in the form of a puppy. Yes. How can a puppy be the devil? Ah, the puppy. Is it possible, Sarah, that the puppy was a tool of the evil one? for the sole purpose of distracting you from your primary cause, which was to remain sober so that you could help another woman, another suffering soul, achieve sobriety. Yes? Yes. And there it is, our first ghost story <laughs> out of Sarah. And, and hey, the devil is cunning, baffling, and powerful. No doubt. The devil is the subtle foe isn't it? Absolutely. You know, sometimes, you know, I don't, I read someplace that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, baby. How about that? Too busy for meetings. There you go. Too busy for you, Mm -hmm. too busy to, to pay attention to any of this stuff. There's the deal. Wow. So we mashed, we mashed out a ghost story right out the chute. We got a couple of, of, of other good ones locked and loaded, you know, with Sarah. But before we break for this, this, um, this segment, you wanted to die, didn't you? Yes. You wanted to die. Mm-hmm. 
and with it there goes the annihilation of all worthwhile things in life. You had nothing yeah. to live for, did you, Sarah? Nothing. Was that God? No. Was that something other than God? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I knew it. Yeah. But I didn't care at the time. It's so powerful. It so is. So powerful. It is. Mm -hmm. It was a spiritual cancer. Mm -hmm. You didn't know you, you had it, did you? Nope. Whew. Not at all. Wow. Just wanted it all to end. The quick and easy way. <laughs> you know, you were a high-value target. You didn't know it. All of us are a high-value target, and we don't know it. Especially, especially when we reach that moment at the very bottom. And I don't know about you, Sarah. At one of your bottoms, there were more than one. Did you ever, did you ever scream out in your private solitude and loneliness, God help me? Yes. Do you think God heard you? Yes. Do you think something other than God heard you too? Oh, yes. <laughs> there you have uh -huh. it. All right, sit tight. We're going to be back with Sarah P. I'm Toby C. Name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. And we're talking about evil resistance in early recovery. It's real simple. Not talk about the crazy stuff we do when we're running and gunning or the philosophy of the devil. Just, just something wants to keep their foot on us when we're trying to get up. We'll be right back with Sarah P. Allowing the imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Toby, mashing it out with Sarah. Sarah, you know, the devil is cunning, baffling, and powerful. I don't think he's patient and deadly, though. I think he wants me now. Yeah. And if the devil were deadly... Well, then he couldn't keep me living in a living hell here on earth. I, I don't, you know, for so many of us, and you talked about suicide. That's the solution. That's the end of this living hell. Yeah. But, but you were meant to stick around a little bit longer, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So back to uh, another ghost story in early recovery, okay? Um, and you know, Listeners out there, listen for the subtleties of the evil one. There it is. Sometimes evil resistance isn't glaring and, uh, and, and notorious. It's subtle and it's hidden. And it chips away at our soul. It chips away at our identity. It chips away at our sense of purpose. Now, you had trouble in early recovery with the association and the identity. And, um, cause like so many of us, Sarah, you liked your friends and, and your friends were, were a happy place of joy and, and, um, and that was your default. So talk to us about the, the, the evil resistance 
and, and the subtleties of, of this difficulty with this, this, this resting on your laurels and, 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 and really preferring to keep company with your, your drinking, your normie friends, than, than maybe, you know, this, these teetotalers in, in recovery. <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, for me, I, uh, I just didn't want to disassociate myself from my so-called my friends. And they could continue to go to bars and drink. And I'm finding myself going to the happy hour with my friend. And I get my water and we sit at the bar and she has her beers. And they say if you go to the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. And I feel it. I'm very I'm pulled by that. I shouldn't be there. But I'm not drinking. Yeah, but you shouldn't be here. Oh yeah, but the as the devil says, yeah, but you're you know you're just drinking water. It's a very bad temptation. It really is a very bad temptation, and uh, that's just part of the struggle. So we already agreed that the devil used a puppy yep. as its tool to distract you. So let me pose this question, Sarah. Is it possible that Satan can use others, other people, our friends, our associates, the people that we identify with, the people that we feel comfortable with, the people that we laugh with? Is it possible that they can also become a, a tool of the evil one? What do you think? Well, I think absolutely, yes. I mean, and I'm not going to say, did your friends really have your best interest in mind when you guys are out there drinking and going to dinner? They really care about your sobriety? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. You know, of course, we know that the alcoholic is self-centered in the extreme, okay? <laughs> but to say that our yeah. friends don't love us is ridiculous. Of course they love us. They just don't know any better. Right. And, um, yeah. and it was difficult, though. Again, did you get distracted, Sarah? Did I? Yes. Did you get distracted with these friends and, 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 and their lives and their ability to drink with impunity? What do you think? Yeah, I, I will tell you, I felt uh, jealous. I did. It was a feeling of jealousy. And actually, one time I said to my friend, maybe I should get water straight up in a martini glass. Like, how crazy is that? I didn't do it. But I said it. I, I said the words. And that's like, it gave me chills. Like, what the heck? Here we go. Here we go. I love it. You remember the seven deadly sins? <laughs> Pride, yeah. anger, God. envy, greed, lust, sloth, and gluttony. So you're talking about one of the seven deadlies, envy. Envy. Is it possible, Sarah, is it possible... Of course it is. But just confirm it, would you? Is it possible that that this attitude of envy sets you up to be visited by the evil one? Oh, yes. To be possessed yeah. by the evil one. To take you back to a place where you had no control over your choices again. What do you think? Oh, yes. Absolutely. 
You know, and even being in a situation where you're sitting with people who who are drinking, I find myself sniffing their drink. Ah, so what Sarah's talking about is glamorizing alcohol, glamorizing the lifestyle of people who drink and live this lifestyle that's just not quite in our bandwidth. How interesting. How interesting. We're going to be right back with a, another ghost story with Sarah P. I'm Toby C., the fourth dimension, talking about evil resistance during early recovery. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Yeah, you sure have landed in the fourth dimension with Sarah P. Sarah. Hello. All right. So I'll tell you, if there's ever a ghost story... It's in the subtleties. This program is about the subtleties of evil, okay? Some, you know, some of my guests have had these these strange experiences of, you know, beds levitating and 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 voices changing and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. But, you know, um, the devil's a chameleon. He's a, you know, it's adaptable to whatever situation we place ourselves in. And um, Sarah... Again, going back to the seven deadlies, um, what heads the procession, Sarah? Pride. Pride. Yeah. Were you proud? Were you? You know, I mean, you're a beautiful woman. You look. You know, I don't really know you. You seem like you really got your your act together. You know, you seem like the kind of person that that you can do anything that you set your mind to, and uh, and yet, for some reason, you fell into the abyss. And the opposite end of the spectrum from pride is what? It's shame. There it is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the devil wants to keep us in shame. And, um, and, And one way, let's talk about you glamorizing alcohol. Let's talk about you glamorizing and, 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 and longing and yearning for, you know, the lifestyle that others have that just seems to be out of reach for you and and share that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I go to happy hour. I don't drink, but we sit at the bar and my friend has her, you know, her drinks and I, uh, was sitting there and I have my water on ice. And I said to my friend, maybe I should ask the bartender to pour water in a martini glass that was glamorizing. Like I pre- could pretend I'm drinking a martini, which I didn't do, but just glamorizing the whole scene. Uh, hold that thought for a minute. Would you say to some subtle varying degree that at that moment that you ordered that martini glass with water, that you were already emotionally and spiritually drunk? Yes, 
There it is. See, absolutely. Does the drunk start long before the first drink for some of us? Of absolutely. course it does. Mm-hmm. And 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 is it God that's making you drunk? No. no. There's some. There's something evil that's 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 insipid and it's and it's and it and it just sneaks into us somehow. You know, you mentioned that uh, the devil and the angel that are sitting on the shoulder there. You know, the vacillation between evil and good. Am I a drunk? Am I not a drunk? Am I a junkie and a drug addict or am I not? Tell us more. Share about the subtleties of of what happened when you when you saw that Xanax. Well, I uh, <laughs> I had uh, just a little over two months of sobriety from alcohol and uh one day, and I was just doing my thing out of the blue, I think, that's what, when I look back now, I went to a friend's house and said, do you have a Xanax? I really need a Xanax. And she said, what's going on? Well, I'm nervous. I need." So she gave me a Xanax, and I loved it. And I was relaxed, and I slept really good that night. And I woke up the next morning, and I thought, oh, my God. I don't have to tell anyone, no one in AA will ever know. They won't know. It was just a pill. Who cares? That's what the devil was saying on my shoulder. Who cares? You don't want to have to stand up again. You don't want to have to raise your hand as a newcomer. How embarrassing. And God on the other shoulder was saying, this is a program of rigorous honesty. Tell your truth. Tell the truth. If you want to stay sober, be honest. And it went back and forth for the day, 24 hours. And I did raise my hand and say what I did on Monday. But it was very clear, very, very clear that the evil, the devil, was saying, keep it to yourself. How embarrassing. Pride, pride, pride. You got, you were, your spirit was broken. Yes. Your spirit was broken. And, um, and there it is. The um, the envy, and and um, you were tested, you were being tested, and maybe you're distracted. But you didn't feel good when you went to your friend's house, and you asked for that Xanax. Were you anxious? I yeah. felt anxious. I felt angry. I think I might have felt a little envy. How yeah. come other people could take a Xanax? Sure. Yeah. And, and you've been around recovery long enough, Sarah, to know that what's the chief activator of pride and anger and envy? It starts with an F. It's fear. fear. There it is. <laughs> yeah. It's fear. Mm-hmm. And, and does that type of fear that you need to, to put this fire out of anxiety or dis- discomfort does that fear come from God, a loving God? No. Of course it doesn't. No. It was your you know, our entire existence is shot through with it, but it's it's not a godly fear. It's an evil fear. And and something told you, you need to put this fire out, Sarah. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Was that God telling you to put that fire out? Oh no. No. And it was just it was a little Xanax, a little bar of Xanax, no big deal. Yeah, it's nobody ever know. Yeah. Um, but you know, but that wasn't the real fear—the fear of shame that followed. 
It was the fear of being uncomfortable and the fear of not having a solution for that discomfort. And um, just like just like darkness is the absence of light, fear is the absence of what? Faith. There it is. Yeah. Didn't faith. have any faith, man. By refusing to place God first, we deprived ourselves of his help. Right. So blah, blah, blah. I Listen to Toby. Hey, let me take a break here. Listen, if you're just joining us, mashing out a long segment with Sarah P. Hey, the name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension, and we talk about evil resistance that so many people experience in early recovery. And I'll tell you, probably the, you know, the, the, uh, the flavor of this particular episode is, is the flavor of subtlety. Man, it's a subtle foe. You know, it's, uh, I mean, let's call it what it is. It is. It's, uh, you know, you're either all in or you're out there adrift. Were you all in, Sarah? No. Were you adrift? Yes. <laughs> I was drifting. Mm-hmm. So you, you couldn't make a, a determined conviction that you're an alcoholic. You don't need to play around with the stuff. You're still ready to play. Yeah. Because you got distracted. What do you think? Yeah. Got distracted. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, really, by the grace of God, it was a one-day thing. But boy, was that a was that a devil moment. Yeah. A sneaky, sneaky thing. In my sure, eyes. Yeah. Sure. Let's talk about possession for a minute. We talked about this earlier during mm-hmm. our, our chat. Do you feel as though the devil or Satan or the evil one, something negative, possessed your spirit and and placed you beyond human aid. What do you think? Yes, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Even my friend said when I came walking in the door, she said, you were shaking. Like I was literally shaking. From what? I don't know. Shaking Mm -hmm. from opening up our spirit... By, by, by deploying one or multiple of the seven deadly sins, you know? And that's, that's precisely what's, what happens to so many of us. Don't you agree, Sarah? Yes. Did you open your spirit by pride and envy and a little anger? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, did the, and, did, and did you get what you uh, opened yourself up for? Yes. Mm-hmm. Although you didn't know it at the time, did you? No, I didn't. No, not until it was over and done. Not till the next, you know, next day. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the evil was saying, go on. No one has to know. Keep it our secret. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a soul sickness. It's a shameful soul sickness. We want to keep it hidden and buried so that it should never see the the light of day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what God really wants for us, Sarah? What do you think? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. God wants us to be open. And, open. And, and, and committed and completely in this deal, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Um, do you still love your friends? Of course of you do. Of course. I, I love my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, and the association today with your friends, what do you think? Are you able to are you able to have healthy boundaries 
with your friends because you have a conviction of your disease today? I do. Yeah, for sure. And you accept it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, I see Sarah every day at our our 7 a.m. home group meeting. So, of course, I know that she's she's all in, man. (laughs) I'm all in. In fact, fact, that's how we know we're, we're in is by frequent attendance at our group meetings, whether it's AA or some other recovery group meeting. It's all in, you know, either we're all in or we're not in. And, and it's easy to not be all in again. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll get you distracted. Distraction. You know, Sarah, did you ever have a chance during your 12 years of, of working with other women as a sponsor? I did. I had, excuse me, I had a, just a couple sponsees towards the end because I had moved from Arizona out to California. Um, but all of a sudden, and it, the dog came, and I just dropped it. I just dropped everything. I, I literally dropped everything, <clears throat> which is so crazy. And I kept in touch with these women, but not on a real AA I just kind of slid. I did. So, you know, it's crazy. It is. It is. It's not crazy, Sarah. Uh, I think it's evil. Yes. For us to go ahead and substitute paying attention to a pooping puppy. Who doesn't yeah. love a pooping puppy? But to but to to substitute and to sacrifice paying attention to another suffering human being and trying to be helpful to this person achieving sobriety and turning our back on that human being and paying attention to this to this beast. Is that God or is that the devil, Sarah? That's the devil. And I will tell you, even till today, because I have to leave my dog now home alone, mm-hmm. and I keep saying, my dog won't keep me sober. My dog won't keep me sober. I got to tell you, I've been around recovery long enough, and, and, and some of the biggest tear-jerking moments are when people tell the group that they lost their pet, that their dog died. It's terrible. <laughs> hey, my aunt died or my father died. Not that big of a deal. My dog, my dog died. died. Oh. You know, I got it. All right, listen, we're going to be back with Sarah P. mashing out of um, our ending segment with a takeaway, a takeaway how not to be so distracted, how to keep ourselves insulated from opening ourselves up to evil resistance by being mindful of the seven deadlies. What do you think about that? Be right back. Sharing testimonies about the evil influences interfering in our most desperate and hopeful moments in life. Here's Toby. Hey, you know, the devil is not at the center of faith, but his figure is indispensable to understanding the mysteries of faith. And I'm telling you, you're going to hear a lot about God could and would if if he were sought and... um, God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, right, Sarah? Right. You don't hear a lot of people talking about the evil one. And uh, and again, you can go ahead and 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 do a word salad and, and and play games mixing and matching words, but I'm telling you, alcohol is the subtle foe, and so is the devil. 
And, you know, alcohol doesn't get us drunk. You know, the, uh, the problem with the alcoholic centers in his mind, her mind, right? So, so there it is. Sarah, what's your biggest challenge today back in early recovery? You know, the first 50 years of recovery is early recovery. Yeah. But again, hey, whether you got, you know, two months or, or 22 years, what's your biggest challenge right now? Relationships? Yeah, I would say relationships. Uh, yeah, uh, early into my recovery, two, two months, two and a half months, I ran into a, an old friend and the sparks went a flying. And it was instant calling, communicating. He'd come out here for the weekend. I'd go out to Arizona for the week. And uh, it, it became my obsession. My new thing that made me happy, it filled me. He filled my soul until I realized, hey, where'd God go? Who, where's God? And I had to call it off, but mm-hmm. So there it was. It was another distraction. Very much so. <laughs> and, and it was something you really wanted badly. You, badly. It, it was going to complete you and make you feel whole. Yeah. Understandably so. Was it on God's time, Sarah, or Sarah's time? It was on Sarah's time. <laughs> there it is. You wanted it. Mm-hmm. And when did you want it? Now. now. <laughs> so what is that? I guess out of the seven deadlies, I guess that's maybe a form of greed. Greed. Possibly. I want it. I want it. I want lust, it now. Greed and lust. Greed and lust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So. Hey, listen, nobody's perfect, okay? But we got to kind of throw out the imperfections here that, that, that set us up for these, these, these tempting moments, right? Mm-hmm. You know, deliver us, you know, keep us from temptation and deliver us from what? Evil. There it is. And, and do you agree, Sarah, that we open ourselves up for temptation and visitation from evil by, by deploying the seven deadlies in some fashion or another, even in the most subtle form. I agree 100%. Because even getting in relationships in early sobriety, or you know, especially early sobriety, uh, you get your feelings hurt or something happens. And what do you do? You want to go out and drink and you want to numb yourself. And it just, it's not a good thing. It's not a good idea. Once again, it's a little subtle evilness coming in. Come on, let me mess with your head. Let me mess with your heart. Did you feel vulnerable? Very. In early recovery? It, very. I mean, you really hadn't gotten on the beam in early recovery. Maybe you'd done some step work or, or, you, mm-hmm. or you hadn't. I don't know. But did you feel 100% sure about yourself? Or were you still trying to, you know? Oh, you know? no, I didn't know but. I think being in a relationship for as a woman, a man's giving you attention. It's filling the void. It's filling that void that your higher power should be filling, and you should be, you know, don't you don't need a man to fill that void. You just don't. So you're talking about moving from uncertainty to certainty, uh-huh. and you found a man, a companion, that that fulfilled that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However. If we place ourselves beyond human aid, at the end of the day, dependence on on others 
is is going to let us down, isn't it? Always. And um, I don't want to get into Always. the details about your relationship and what happened, but uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you kind of you kind of figured it out and you got back on the right track. That job or no job, wife or no wife, companion or no companion, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence on others ahead of our dependence on God. God there it is, you know, and mm-hmm. and maybe dependence on others is a form of dependence on the devil because we already agreed that the devil uses people as his tool, right? Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Sarah. Do you believe that God can use you and use me as an instrument, as a channel of his love? Yes. I feel that so strongly. I really do. And if if we're on the beam, we can transmit and transmute that love, can't we? Yes. So what do you think happens when we're off the beam? (laughs) Then, Then what do we do? We're not transmuting and transmitting love anymore, are we? No. Mm-hmm. And um, gang, Just, it's it's that simple. You know, I got to tell you, there's one takeaway here from our show today with Sarah, is that it's subtle. You know, watch out for the evil one, and and pay attention, right, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yes. Pay attention to every little thing because it is very sneaky. Cunning, baffling, and powerful in all forms. What are you doing today now in in your recovery to pay more attention to your disease? What do you think? Well, first of all, I go to meetings in the morning. I go to women's meetings. I'm in touch with my sponsor on a daily basis. Um, if If I have a decision to make, I usually run it by her or someone else because I don't really trust myself. I don't. You have to talk it out, get that stuff out there. But that's what I do. And I, I, I stick with my women friends. I stay with my women. And if I could be of help to someone who has only three days, I'm there for them because that's what that's what we're here for. Beautiful. Did you hear that, gang? Did you hear that out there in, in podcast radio land? One of the solutions, one of the keys to recovery is unity. You know, whatever you whatever problem you got, don't keep it to yourself. Loneliness and isolation is the devil. Mm. You got to take your problems and uh, got to present them to God. And if you don't have a direct connection with God, then you triangulate it through another person. What do you think, Sarah? Absolutely, Toby. I love it. Yep. Thank you so much. What a fun hour, man. Thanks, Toby. That was great. This was really Thank cool. You. Sarah P. Mashing out an hour of of subtle evil resistance that so many of us experience in early recovery. And it happens sometimes in the fourth dimension. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, Toby. God bless. God bless you.